nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scoured the globe with top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So welcome back to the Matter of a Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I, today I have for you Isabella Sarniska. It's not spelled Sarniska, so I thought I was going to mess it up, by the way. So now I'm extremely proud of myself. <laughs> forget, my, forget all my certifications. Pronouncing her last name is, is the highlight of my day. So <laughs> now, with, now Isabella focuses on leaky gut, and she's an IBS expert. She helps you heal your gut so you can live without bloating, anxiety, and fatigue, the matter of a mind experience, right? Taking care of the matter, taking care of that body. So again, she helps you to heal your gut so you can live without bloating, anxiety, and fatigue. Oh my, we're going to get into some wonderful stuff today. So in this episode, we will primarily focus on the gut because we know that's where everything starts. That's where most of your immune system, immune system is. That's where most of your serotonin is produced and so on and so forth. Again, the matter of mind experience. And of course, we're going to give you a hack at the end of this episode. She will provide some gut-friendly gluten swaps that can be handy if you are currently avoiding gluten. So stick around for that towards the end of the episode. And with that being said, Let's welcome Isabella to the show. Hey, Isabella, how are you doing today? I'm good. Hi, Narado. I have to say your pronunciation is perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. I feel accomplished now. I feel accomplished. Now my day is done. I don't need to work out. I don't need to do anything else. I pronounced your name properly. I didn't mess it up. Thank you very much. <laughs> so tell my audience about yourself and your work. Yeah, sure. So about myself, I'm originally from Poland, but I'm based in New Zealand unless I'm traveling right like now. So then I'm in Poland currently. And about myself, I love laughing, looking positively at words. Even if I have a very bad day, I'm still, you know, trying to find something positive and be grateful. Simply, I love being active. I hate news. I have to admit, I never watch news. I use TV only for Netflix on the weekends. And as you perfectly know, I love talking about gut health and healthy food. And funny story here is that actually my degree is in tourism management. So it's a totally different field from health. But my health struggles led me to study nutrition and got two certifications, one in nutrition and one in digestive so this is how I became basically IBS and leaky gut expert. Well, so you I'm know. Not sure. No, go ahead, go ahead. So I'm not sure if your audience is interested in, you know, hearing a little bit of my health story. Crazy health story. Actually, please share that. That's very important to share. Go ahead. Yeah. 
So this is actually why I studied nutrition. So I got very sick when I was living on a small island in Pacific. So suddenly I got very weird, very weird symptoms. I didn't even know where they were coming from. And, and I was experiencing a lot of stress during that time. I was going through breakup and suddenly my body said, Isabella, it's enough. I was eating like I would say like an average person, you know, I didn't pay attention to reading ingredients. I didn't even know that something like reading ingredients exists at that time. I simply ate, you know, like whatever they were serving in the supermarket, I was buying. And, you know, I was happy with my lollies, with my biscuits. And then I couldn't find help at all. I visited many doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, and they were basically throwing me from you know, one doctor to another doctor until I got diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome. And this syndrome, this diagnosis, I feel is like the worst diagnosis you can get because it doesn't lead you anywhere. It doesn't give you a cause. It's such a blanket diagnosis. So I was stuck. I was told, you manage your IBS. Uh, maybe you can take antidepressant because maybe it's something in your head, which wasn't nice to, you know, to hear. And I was, I was totally lost and, and depressed at that time. I was, dietitians were recommending me different diets from a low FODMAP diet to something called a fail-safe diet and without success. So I was basically dieting and restricting food more and more in hope that my gut is going to heal. But instead, I was actually getting more food sensitivities and food intolerances. Suddenly, I couldn't tolerate orange. So I developed something called histamine intolerance. I was totally, totally confused and lost. And because I was so angry, I developed, in the meantime, binge eating disorder. You know, this was very hard for me, but this is because I was restricting. When you restrict so much, then you miss other foods, right? I was maybe eating that time 20 foods. And because of the anger, I was just eating and snacking on healthy snacks, but the amount I was eating was simply crazy. For example, I would eat half kg of dates at once or fix. Yeah. So it doesn't become healthy anymore. And Long story short, I was studying, I started to study, I overcome binge eating disorder, which was a process, it took me a couple of years, and I started introducing, I started being interested in plant-based eating at that time. I've watched, probably you've watched too, or some of your um, audience, I've watched a lot of plant-based documentaries, I think all of them, you know, like plant-based documentaries, I started reading more books about that, and it, I liked it. But the problem was that I couldn't tolerate a lot of plant-based foods. So I was stuck. So I found basically a baseline diet that I could tolerate. And I slowly started introducing more plant foods because I knew then that more plants, more diversity will help my gut heal. And that diet actually helped. So I stopped restricting. I just ate healthy, you know, normal amounts. And I worked on my daily habits as well as the positive mindset. And yeah, and I healed. You know, 
That's that's a really tremendous story. Um, very mm-hmm. similar to mine. Uh, far with my asthma, where I'm no longer my audience knows I'm no longer on medication, and I love the fact you you're bringing it back to something that I was taught as a child, whereas to eat in moderation, because we get so scared of food now, especially when we talk about calories. Whenever somebody talks to me about calories, it just grinds my gears. Right, like you know, there's so much more that's important. So much there's so many other things to think about than just the calories you're eating because you get so caught up in restriction or restriction or restriction then you're not giving your body the nutrients it needs to start to miss things and then i'm not a fan of any of these vegetarian do- um, documentaries out there i've had people come to me and say what do you think about game changers and i look at them and said it's it's rubbish and the reason why is not that they're not giving you some good information but it's so one-sided. It's like, just eat, just eat vegetables and fruits and you'll be fine the rest of your life. No, there's a so many. We know that plant foods have anti-nutrients. We know that most plant foods don't have complete protein, um, a complete protein profile. Um, so, so even if you go on a plant protein diet, you, may, you have to think about the supplementation that, that you need. You may have to think about how you prepare the plant foods to remove some of the anti-nutrients. You have to think about the diversity in the plant, you have to think about where the health of your gut at that particular time. And if your gut can tolerate some of these plant foods, because actually healing your gut, some one of the best things to do, and Dr. Steve Agunja talks about this all the time. We joke with that he is the father of the carnivore diet because to heal your gut, you often have to take plant foods out of your gut for a while until your body can tolerate it and you can slowly start to introduce them back into your diet. And that's how I healed. My, uh, that's why I reversed my asthma. Very careful not to use the word healed, but that's how I reversed my asthma. Right. So that's a very important journey. And I'm glad that you highlighted that. So thank you for sharing. And with that being said, I want you to add on to this now. Why is it important to have a healthy gut? Yeah, so that's yeah, that's a great question. So here now, I wanted to firstly touch on what microbiome is, because a lot of people talk about gut, but they don't know about microbiome. So microbiome is an internal ecosystem that is full of microorganisms. So fungi, bacteria, which is bad, good, parasites, and something called archaea, right? And here, what is so important that inside us, the microbiome consists of approximately 38 trillion of bacterial microorganisms. That's crazy, it's a crazy amount. Like, Guess how many people live on earth, approximately? I don't know, actually, I think it was a 32 billion. I don't know, 2.5 billion, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but billions, yeah, seven point, a bit more, 7.8 billion. It's sad that I don't know that actually, but go ahead. <laughs> You don't have to. I didn't know too. I, I had to Google, you know, so now. <laughs> but it's a huge dif- difference. The, think about it. 38, approximately 38, 39 trillion to 7.8 billion of right. people. So it's hard to Im- even imagine that we've got so many little things inside us, right? There are living things. So because we cannot see these guys, we don't really think that they have such a huge impact on our health, right? If you would see these guys like doing stuff and eating stuff, probably you would, you know, pay attention. But because they are so invisible, you're like, meh, you know, it's inside us, who cares, basically, right? And 
I like to compare microbiome to a rain rainforest. Think of the Amazon, let's say. So Amazon is, you know, if it's full of diverse plants and animals. So if it's well taken care of, it flourishes. It's beautiful. But if it's not, it's burning. And the same is with the gut. If we provide, you know, good, good diet, if we eat healthy, right? If we have stress under control, if we sleep well, if we exercise, then we do pretty well for the gut. And the gut, you know, it flourishes, the good bacteria is taking over. But if not, we end up like the burning forest, basically. Yeah, we get sick and sicker and sicker every single day, even if the um, condition or chronic condition later, it's not visible at the moment. Someone uh, brought this up in uh, in a previous episode. The same uh, um, analogy on the uh, okay. about the rainforest. So I really like that because she's like, if you think about it, if you have a rainforest with one type of plant, and then you kill that one species, then the rainforest is basically done. But if you have a diverse rainforest and one species dies, you still have a sustainable rainforest, right? So that's how you think about the gut. So I love that analogy. Once I heard that, it's stuck in my mind forever. That's why it's yeah. important to eat a diversity of plant foods um, because to, to feed your gut, right? So plant foods, oh. it, it, it should be a staple in your diet. Maybe if not, if you heal and leak your gut, that's a different conversation. But once you get to the point, you can reintroduce them back into your diet. It should be a staple. And some people say you should have 25 to 30 different plant foods a week by eat from what you eat, from what you drink, for what, you know, how you expose yourself to so on and so forth, because you want to create that diverse rainforest. So thank you for sharing that. And with that being said, we're still talking about gut health, right? So how is gut health then connected to our mood? Another another great question. So here, think of a situation, for example, where you felt stressed. Let's say you were before an exam and you had, you know, maybe funny or irregular bowel movement or nauseous in your tummy. Yeah, it's it's a quite quite common situation. So this is basically a gut talking to your brain, yeah, and vice versa. So whatever you think, you will feel. Or imagine a situation, let's say another where you say you're running late to work and you are stuck, you're stuck in the traffic and then someone cuts you off and then you can see this person laughing at you. So most likely you will get a little bit angry and that's when basically your stomach goes into strong activities and it starts slowing down your digestion straight away. So let's say you had oatmeal for breakfast and then your intestines they stopped, they basically hardly move at all and the digestion is shut. So here is the, the connection and I'm not sure if you, I'm sure you're aware, but maybe your audience is not aware that the gut and brain, they're connected through millions of nerves, but mainly through something called the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're aware. And the vagus nerve, it's, I mean, the gut and brain, they communicate using different neurotransmitters and something called serotonin, dopamine, and different gut hormones that are vital for our health. And now we also know that serotonin, which is the happy hormone, is mainly found in the gut, 80, approximately 80 to 90%, unless something has, has changed. So this is already huge because that already shows us that whatever we eat 
it will impact our mood. Yeah. I was and maybe no, go ahead. go ahead. And maybe you've noticed that you had a smoothie, you know, nourishing smoothie, you feel like energetic, but if you have, let's say, KFC, you want to probably go to sleep, have a nap afterwards. I've always said that to people. I said, if you ever thought about it, when you eat certain foods, you feel like crap. You don't need a scientific study to tell you that that food is bad. Stop eating it. I, was, I had a conversation with somebody the other day who's, uh, who always says, oh, she's like, oh, I have road rage. I have road rage. And I told her, I said, well, it's connected to your diet. You don't realize that your blood sugar may not be steady. You may not have the, um, the right gut environment. She's like, no, this is just my personality. And I left the conversation <laughs> alone at that point. I'm like, okay, apparently I've been doing this for years and I have, you know, seven certifications, but then maybe... I just don't know what I'm talking about. So let me just shut up and let you do your thing. Um, you'll come yeah, to me when you need the help. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, you have to leave people believing what they want to believe. Eventually, it's like me, you know, before I got sick, I wouldn't even listen to people about health. I loved my lollies. I loved my biscuits. And I didn't care what people thought. I'm like, leave me alone. I love my lollies. Okay. I love movies, my lollies. But then I got sick and I was like... Isabella, you know, but it is. I hit your, your, your head against the wall. You're like, oh, right, I should have been listening. And that's a lot of times what happens. We wait until we get sick and they were like, because even for me, I'm not, I'm not exempt from that. It wasn't until my asthma was getting out of control and they put me in a bunch of medications where until I was like, okay, this is, has to stop. But if that wasn't the case, I would still be eating Popeye's like almost every day, you know, in the KFC and Burger King with no problem. But when I was, I started to have all these breathing problems and asthma issues and, and allergies. I meant to say like allergy issues and my eczema was getting bad. I was like, okay, this is, this is getting out of hand. So I, I, I can relate to that as well. We're just sometimes, I guess you say conditioned to be like that, which is really sad. Um, yeah. Now we're still talking about the gut. So what are some signs then that your gut is compromised? Okay, so there are so many signs. There are the obvious one, which relates to digestion, like bloating. It's the, it's the big one, the chronic bloating. Of course, it's different when you've got a bloating here and there where you eat, let's say, after beans, right? But normally, so chronic bloating. Poop, I would really encourage everyone to look at poop. I know it's not, it's a sensitive topic to talk about, but it's so crucial. Often people don't even realize they are constipated, let's say. Right. So I would encourage people to look at the Bristol stool. Everyone can find when they Google and look, you know, where the how how your poop basically looks like look like and then just you know see if it's a healthy one or maybe not. Um, so this is crucial. This is basically poop can show you so much about your health and digestion overall. Another signs will be you know reflux, um, stomach pain, the obvious one as well, um, diarrhea, constipation, and then not the obvious ones, fatigue, acne, infections, right? When you get cold or when you get sick often, um, brain fog, there's so many, so many symptoms that basically everything you can uh, relate back to the gut. And you know what's sad? These are things mm -hmm. that we experience every day and we just think, oh, that's it's just normal you know uh, yeah. i'm just tired let me take a five-hour energy and then you take a five-hour energy shot that actually damages your gut more 
right? So then it's, it's yeah. crazy. It's like, so these are things that we just consider normal, but really and truly it may be normal, but it doesn't, normal doesn't mean good. That's when people say to me, I'm weird. It's the hour that has a badge of honor. I'm like, I'm, yes, I want to be weird. I'm about to be 40 this year. And I have tremendous energy. My mind is clear. I, I feel amazing. I don't look anywhere close to my age. That is weird. And that's good because I want to be weird because normal is I'm 39 and I feel like I'm 50. That's normal. <laughs> I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be like the rest of you. I want you to be like me. And that's why I created this wonderful podcast. Now, yeah, outside of celiac, right? We're going to talk about gluten a little bit, right? Because gluten mm -hmm. is um, outside of celiac. Is gluten bad? And how can we confuse gluten with, uh, with fructans in gluten and glyphosate? Okay, this one's a good topic to talk about. So gluten has such a bad name, but it's not all, it's not all bad. Like it really depends on the source and the state of your gut. So think about a modified, you know, like simple toast bread in it that you can get in the supermarket. It contains a modified wheat and you know some different additives and preservatives. And then when you go to bakery, like a beautiful fresh bakery and eat bread, it's a totally different story as well. But here also we have to talk about glyphosate right? because people often confuse glyphosate with gluten. And I've noticed that most people have a problem with glyphosate, not with gluten. So glyphosate, if someone's not aware, it's basically the weed killer. So something that they spray this all over the food um, to basically remove the, to eliminate weed. And that, and then it's, you know, people don't realize that glyphosate, it's easy and effective poison. So it's good for farmers to use because then they don't have to worry about weeds, but they kill our bodies from, you know, inside out, basically. So Roundup, which is very interesting as well, that every year the United States uses more than 1.8 million tons of glyphosate, which is a shocking amount. And the weed killer doesn't just kill weeds. Like I talked about, it's an easy and effective poison. So it's going to basically poison your body as well. And Roundup, which is the brand of glyphosate is commonly used, is found in about 90% of foods tested in the US. So basically in a supermarket, most of the foods you can buy in the supermarket is sprayed with glyphosate. And glyphosate has been shown to increase the risk of cancer, asthma, allergies, hormonal imbalances, uh, Alzheimer, I'm not sure about yourself, but I don't want to get Alzheimer when I'm old, digestive issues, liver problems, respiratory, and more. So the list goes on and on. And what is interesting that glyphosate is already banned in some countries like France, Italy, I'm pretty sure Germany as well, but not in the US and not in many other countries, which is so sad. So that's the glyphosate. And here also fructans. So fructans are actually very healthy. It's a, it's a naturally occurring carbohydrate found in many foods such as garlic, onion, asparagus, and gluten-containing grains such as wheat, barley, rye. 
So these ones are all healthy, but the problem is that when the gut is compromised, people struggle to digest fructans. And this where the problem, that's where the problem starts here. So people don't necessarily react to gluten, but they start reacting to fructans. Most people with, let's say, irritable bowel syndrome or problematic digestion, they cannot have garlic and onion. So if they cannot have garlic and onion, they won't be able to have gluten. So they react to fructans, not to gluten. Yeah, so I feel like people need to be aware of that because people often blame gluten for everything or even garlic. It's not garlic's fault. It's not gluten's fault. It's basically your gut's fault. So are garlic and onion have a higher amounts of fructans? Is that the reason why? Yeah, yeah. So that the fermentable carbohydrates. Yeah. So people, you know, so it's, it's a diet called, I'm not sure if you've heard, there's a diet which is often recommended for people with irritable bowel syndrome. There's a diet called low FODMAP diet. And yeah, and fructans, they're high FODMAPs. So that are the fermentable carbohydrates that are hard for people to digest. All right. Now that's going to take us to the hack of the day then. This, this next question, we're going to talk about gluten. Um, what are some, um, um, gut friendly gluten swaps that can be handy if you're currently avoiding gluten? Okay. Awesome. So plenty. Nowadays we are so lucky because we've got so many options. So let's say you want to have normal pasta. You can find rice pasta. You can find lentil pasta beans. If someone can, of course, tolerate, um, that a rice, corn pasta, quinoa pasta, or you can even make yourself a pasta using carrots or zucchini. It's very, very common. People, I think people call it zudels, zudels, like the funny name. But you can, you know, make yourself a pasta. If it comes to um, flowers, you can find gluten-free flour basically anywhere. But I would really encourage people to still read ingredients because I came across many gluten-free flowers with preservatives inside and additives that you don't really need. And there are also plenty of different flowers. You can buy rice flour, oat flour. I personally love cassava flour uh, from a brand called Otto. So plenty, plenty of options. If it comes to sauces, for example, if someone likes soy sauce, you can find tamari sauce, which is often gluten-free. I personally love it. So tamari, for people who don't know, it's basically fermented soy sauce or something called coconut aminos. This is my favorite. I often mix coconut aminos with tamari. So that's fermented coconut. It's like sauce. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so that's basically the, the swaps I would recommend. Any question? Are you saying turmeric, by the way, just to make sure my audience aware? No, tamari, tamari sauce. Have you heard? No, tam tamari sauce. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much. I want to make sure, I just want to make sure I clarified <laughs> it because you know you have a beautiful accent, but some, it may not come over from our audience. I just want to make sure that everybody knew what we were talking about. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. All right. Awesome. And those are some fantastic swaps. And I'm still not done, though, because now with all the good information you've given me, it's kind of opened up my curiosity a little bit. I want to bring some more things to my audience here. Right. So 
with those fantastic swaps, which can be very beneficial, anybody that struggling, removing gluten from your diet, go back and listen to that. But then the question before that, we talked about fructans and gluten versus gluten itself, right? Now, do you recommend at that point that someone removes gluten from it? And this is a general information. No specific, it's not specific guidance. Don't make any changes without talking to your medical professional or a dietary professional. So be very careful about this part that I'm about to bring up. But at that point, generally, do you recommend that someone take gluten out of their diet and go to the gluten swaps? Or is there a different approach, like uh, maybe improving the health of your gut or something along those lines? Firstly, usually I would probably I would avoid gluten, but only for a very short time, because I often see among my clients, they avoid dairy and, and gluten for a long time, and then it's hard to bring it back if they like. So I would say I would avoid for two weeks. I would keep a food journal and I would, I would observe the symptoms. If everything is okay, if there's no symptoms and you're fine with gluten, then there's no point avoiding. But I would focus here on, firstly, maybe if someone eats the bad type of gluten, meaning like, you know, the cheap toast bread, I would try to find maybe a healthier gluten alternative still with gluten. And if you still, for example, react to it, then I would avoid it instead of just jumping and removing it all. That that sounds very familiar. I would say familiar. <laughs> that sounds very familiar to what I teach my clients with gut enzymes, because it's like when we take carbs out of our diet, our body, and you start eating a high fat diet, right? Especially if you're moving towards ketosis and in your body, upregulates or create the enzymes to break down fat, but then downregulates the enzymes to break down carbs. So then later on, you have a hard time putting carb back in your diet. And it sounds very similar to that. If you just say, okay, I'm just going to avoid gluten for the rest of my life, then basically your body is going to downregulate. You're going to, you're going to be responding, be um, having bad responses to gluten the rest of your life, because your body at that point has downregulated its ability to properly break down gluten. And I believe Dr. Steve Gunja was the first one that brought that up that I heard of. So that's very, sounds very similar to what I know. So I'm really glad that you shared that. So then when taking out gluten first and then looking at the symptoms would the, would the, would the steps within that, or the next steps be focusing on the health of your gut? Is that where you're going with this? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the goal. The goal is diversity of plants. I never recommend people going on, you know, like pure 100% plant-based diet. I'm more plant-focused and I always what I use, but it's it's almost impossible um, to heal. It's very hard to heal, like we perfectly know, just eating plants, right? Because we react so much. So I would basically slowly introduce more plants. I personally recommend up to 40 plants a week. And I think that's, that's a good amount. And it's really not hard to get because herbs count as well. So you can use coriander, right? You can use parsley and ginger. It's all herbs. So it's not as hard as it seems. Right. If you prepare your food, your spices that you use in your food count, the different teas that you drink, like I rotate between three different teas. So every morning I get plants in my diet, even before, even before I actually eat. So it's really not challenging. Um, it's, it's just challenging, seem challenging to us because we are not accustomed to doing it. And then eating, a, I would also say eating healthy fats, avoiding the unstable trans fats, seed oils, 
for eating good, healthy fats is really important for your mitochondria, as you know, with your mitochondrial pathways. So um, because if you eat a lot of especially processed sugars and it goes to your mitochondria, it creates more inflammation and more oxidative stress versus healthy fats that goes through a lower inflammation, lower um, oxidative stress pathways for your mitochondria. Right. So that. And then there's tons of other stuff you can do. And I have many episodes with uh, other experts to talk about improving the health of your gut. So you can just go, you can go back to my directory and pick up on those episodes and listen and learn more about it. So, but I love your approach of not restricting yourself, but maybe taking some things out to start. And then at that point, looking at your symptoms, and then you can start to make changes to improve your gut along the way, instead of just saying, to hell with this and i'm just gonna take this out and i'll be fine because you're not even looking anywhere close to the root cause and okay. without that wonderful information is there anything that you would you would like to add that i haven't asked or my or you haven't brought up yet yeah so once again i wanted to say please stop dieting and restricting yourself because you are going to make yourself worse just avoid the most inflammatory foods like Narado mentioned from the sugar the trans fats and just focus on introducing a little bit more color to to your plate and work on your daily habits and and mindset I think that's the best you can do for your health thank you so much this was a fantastic episode Isabella Saniska I think I got it down I think I got it down now I am so proud of myself but thank you so much for sharing that um this was a this is a fantastic episode my audience is gonna love it and uh enjoy the rest oh by the way sorry i forgot to ask you this question how can my audience get in touch with you almost left without asking that how can my audience get in touch with you and learn more about your work that's okay you could put on your in your notes but um so the best thing would be to email me on ah, here we go my last name which is sarnitska.i at gmail.com or my instagram which is i sarnitska so. perfect and our contact information will be in the uh, show notes um this show notes i believe is going to be zikahealth.com slash isabella sarniska let everybody know her last name is actually spelled s-a-r-n-i-c-k-a <laughs> uh so i have to write down the spelling to get it, to to um write down the pronunciation the way my brain um spells it to get it correctly but it's actually spelled s-a-r-n-i-c-k-a so it's gonna be zikahealth.com slash isabella sarniska the um the sh and also the show notes will be in the description of the episode as well so you can i make it easy for you you click on it go there learn more about isabella and our fantastic work and now i can say thank you so much for being here and enjoy the rest of your day thank you thanks for joining the matter over mind experience if you got good content out of this or any of my shows save subscribe and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.